Hey everybody, welcome back to the Liberty on Fire podcast. This is your host, Libertarian Tony. And I'm going to do this as a solo episode because I just don't know when I can hook up with Joey again for a discussion. But anyway, we will definitely have some other, I guess, podcasts and co-hosted shows coming up. Uh, There's just so much to talk about going on now in the news that I don't even know where to start. I mean, my head's going to explode that there's just so much to get into here. First of all, I want to say, if you can hear some wind chimes in the back uh, or in the background, is that's because it's super windy at my house and I record down in my office right next to the wind chimes. So I'll apologize for that in, uh, in advance funny thing is this morning I was going around opening up all the windows in my house because of the wind. I like to air out the house and then my kids were kind of walking around behind me closing all the windows. Okay, Um, funny story aside, I guess let's get into it because I don't know how long this podcast is going to go and and I think new stuff is coming out in the news every hour and people have new things to say and I'm not even sure where where uh, where this is going to end up going. But part of it's probably irrelevant, and I'll get into why. Okay, so let's start with the impeachment stuff. Now, do the Democrats actually think they can impeach the president? Uh, No, of course not. Even if they can get the House to vote to impeach the president, there's no way they're going to get the Senate to uh, vote to impeach him. Okay, so you need both houses uh, to impeach in order for it to become real. Okay, so the next question is, what's the game plan here? Well, it's all about just damaging Trump. Democrats believe that, you know, if they can gin up their base enough, get enough support and, you know, more monetary donations coming in, that they can do better in the next set of elections. So that's all this is really about. It's about trying to gain control of the government, all right? So they want to take back the Senate, and they want the presidency. And they want to make a big showing of this impeachment, or I should say they want to have a big reason uh, and make a big impression on the American people of this whole new push to impeach Trump, right? It's really in order to just gain more votes for themselves, Now, the legal question is somewhat irrelevant, in my opinion. Did Trump break the law or the Constitution by somehow asking the president of Ukraine to look into the Russian meddling or the Hillary meddling or the corruption of Joe Biden's son? You know, did he break the law? Well, uh, Fox News and a bunch of Trump favorable attorneys are going to come out and say no, that he didn't break the law. And then all the other media channels and a bunch of like anti-Trump attorneys are going to come out and say, yes, he broke the law. So at the end of the day, what are they going to have? A stalemate, right? So each side will march out their experts and their constitutional scholars, and they're going to say the complete opposite from each other. And that's why I say this whole impeachment uh, legal aspect of the impeachment process is somewhat irrelevant. Now, if Trump truly broke the law, well, that just gives the Democrats a better reason for impeaching him and helps build their case, but they're going to try to move ahead with impeachment anyway because of politics. That's why. They think they need to help bring down his numbers, bring his support down, and increase their numbers and their support 
by going through this whole charade, okay? I mean, how many emails have you gotten in just in the past week about asking for donations either to help impeach Trump or to help protect Trump from Democrats? I mean, I get them every day. I even get text messages now asking for donations. So part of the problem here is that if, if the Democrats don't convince enough American people that this was an impeachable offense or some sort of illegal act, then they risk a significant backfire where more and more voters get tired of the dog and pony show of trying to impeach the president yet again and then decide either not to vote in the 2020 election or come out instead and vote for Trump for another four years. The same impeachment process backfired against the Republicans with Bill Clinton. Some Democrats, uh, including one interviewed by Tucker Carlson last night, have come out against you know this whole impeachment thing and said exactly what I'm saying now, that, that he thinks this is a bad idea and can have significant repercussions over the next year leading up to the 2020 election. Now, personally, do I think Trump broke the law? No. I mean, I read the transcript of the phone call. And I'm not a lawyer, so my opinion doesn't really count. But the Democrats, again, are taking a significant risk going down this road, and they should hope that they, they've game-played this out enough to think through what really happens if we don't get enough support. Right? They have to think, like, if this new impeachment process doesn't work, what's next? Like, what are they going to do next year? Okay. I guess in addition, by going full bore into this impeachment issue with Ukraine, it, it also has another, I guess, thing to consider, right? It now shines more light onto what Obama and Hillary and Joe Biden were doing with Ukraine during the Obama years, okay? This is not going to look good for Biden. I mean, there is no way his son should have had a $50,000 a month position on the board of directors of a natural gas company when he knows nothing about natural gas, okay? This was pure political favoritism. And you already have a video of Joe Biden bragging. I mean, bragging that he extorted Ukraine over the investigation into his son. He came out and said that, I'm going to leave in six hours, and if I'm on that plane and that prosecutor isn't fired, then you're not getting a billion dollars. Okay, this isn't up for discussion or interpretation. Mr. Biden, who thinks it's a good idea to say stupid things on video, had these braggadocious statements immortalized forever now. Politically, this, this does not look good for Joe. Now, are the Democrats somehow using the whole Ukraine impeachment thing in order to kind of somehow bring down Trump as well as Biden and maybe pave the way for a surging Elizabeth Warren? Well, I mean, that's now certainly an interesting idea, right? I mean, I do have a suspicion, and as uh, Joey clearly outlined on a prior podcast, he thinks Warren is going to be the nominee and that... Democratic leadership might now be in favor of getting behind Warren as opposed to Joe Biden, and that this Ukrainian fiasco might be a good way to accomplish these two goals, right? One, of weakening Trump, and two, weakening Joe Biden so Elizabeth Warren can take the lead. I mean, it still sounds kind of risky to me, but 
Again, I'm not a political strategist because I actually, you know, believe we should be telling the truth. Okay, additional things on impeachment here. Now, here's a list of things that the Democrats wanted to impeach Trump over for the past three years. Okay, they wanted to impeach Trump over not releasing his tax returns. They wanted to impeach him over paying off Stormy Daniels. They wanted to impeach Trump over Russia collusion. Then they wanted to impeach him over obstruction of justice during the whole Russia collusion thing. And now they want to impeach him over a Ukrainian phone call. Okay, thus far, none of these have worked. And every single one of these looks like a witch hunt to many of the voters. I mean, you, you have the diehard support on either side where it doesn't matter if he did anything illegal for the diehard Republicans. They're going to vote for Trump anyway. And it doesn't matter if the Democrats don't succeed in any of these impeachments because they're going to vote, you know, anti-Trump anyway. But there's also a large group of, I guess you would still call them independents, or people that aren't, you know, labeled as a big D or a big R uh, on, in the voting block that, you know, they could potentially be swayed one way or another, right? So since none of these impeachment things have worked in the past, again, I think that this is a, a political reality show. It, it's very risky. And both sides are going to have to try to do the best they can to, I guess, gin up their base and gain new voters. But here's a problem for the Democrats. Trump had one of the most highly rated and highly watched reality shows on TV for several years. You remember The Apprentice? I mean, I used to watch it, and it was a pretty good show. Now, he has the experience to turn this in his favor. And the Democrats are just a bunch of politicians. They know nothing about show business. So Trump does kind of have the upper hand here. And it becomes even more, if it becomes even more of a reality show, this could really uh, backlash against the Democrats. So I have another idea. Why not impeach Trump over the war in Yemen? I mean, why not go after him for something real? I mean, the, this war in Yemen is unconstitutional. It's breaking the law. I mean, Trump is, uh, in fact, guilty of war crimes in that country. Okay, women and children are starving to death. It's the worst humanitarian crisis in a long time. So why not? Well, because of Obama. Obama gave the go-ahead to Saudi Arabia to start this war, and then he aided them. So Obama gave Saudi Arabia targeting intelligence, missiles and bombs, sold them the aircraft to carry the bombs, and then he trained their soldiers and their pilots, and he helped their bombers by refueling their planes in midair. So Obama started this illegal war and helped, and then Trump took it over and continued it. So they're both war criminals, right? But if they used the Yemen war as a reason to impeach Trump and try him for war crimes, well, then they also have to hold Obama accountable too and admit that they made a serious or grave error. And guess what? Governments never admit mistakes. They can't have that veil of confidence shattered or blemished. Okay, now, if you go back uh, several years under the Obama administration when he was working on a nuclear deal with Iran, he was also, by proxy, supporting al-Qaeda against Iran and Syria, and also uh, al-Qaeda in Yemen against 
the Houthis. So now, as I said before, and you, you really actually have to listen to every podcast to kind of stay up to date and informed, because the shows do tend to build on one another. Now, as I said before, Iran, Syria, and Yemen are all relatively friendly, mainly because of their leadership are somewhat religiously aligned, right? And Saudi Arabia basically hates them all, right? Because they're the opposite type of Muslim, right? So without going into a significant amount of detail here, but just thinking about the straight duplicitous nature of the U.S. government, Obama is guilty of war crimes by giving money and weapons to our sworn enemy, al-Qaeda, people who attacked us on 9-11, and so that, you know, those terrorist groups who the U.S. government said that we have to track down all over the world and fight against, Obama armed them so that they could fight against the Iranian-friendly leadership in both Yemen and Syria. This is how ISIS was created, okay? And one of the only good things Obama did under his eight-year term, this enforceable and common-sense nuclear deal with Iran, he then went behind their back and supported these al-Qaeda terrorist groups to help weaken their influence in the region. Okay, so I know this podcast kind of shifted from politics into Iran, and I want to just look at the Iran situation maybe a little bit differently than I had before. So let's suppose Iran was involved with the attack on those oil tankers several months back. And let's suppose Iran did shoot down that U.S. drone over international waters instead of over their airspace. And let's suppose Iran was somehow behind the drone attacks on the Saudi Arabian oil facility. Doesn't that show you that Iran at least has the capability to defend themselves as well as meter out a significant amount of damage with very limited resources? And if they really wanted to, they could do a large amount of damage on all the neighboring U.S. bases and allied forces in the region? I mean, I think by last count, there were about 40 U.S. or U.S.-friendly bases surrounding Iran that Iran could hit in retaliation to some sort of U.S. attack. And don't forget, Iran could also certainly hit Israel. Now, also keep in mind that Russia has a large vested interest in Iran, as I mentioned on a prior podcast. I mean, they have oil and natural gas pipelines going through Iran to Europe. And China has invested billions into Iran with regards to oil and energy. So now you add up all those factors... Right, you have to consider, is it really worth it for us to get in another war in the Middle East, get into a war with a country that not only has a decent you know, military capability themselves, right, well beyond what Iraq had, and has the backing from very large communist countries who have nuclear weapons. Now, oh sure, it's easy for a big guy like us to pick on Saddam Hussein and Iraq or Libya, but when it comes to Iran... And the countries Iran is allied with, this is a much different story. This is where we have to consider, are we willing to start World War III in order to appease Saudi Arabia? How many of you out there have friends and family members you wouldn't want to see blown up in an all-out war with three or four different countries? And I want to ask you something else. Why do you care so much about Saudi Arabia? Why would you support this country who still kills gays for being gay and women are treated like property? Okay, women have no rights. 
So, I mean, what, what do we really have in common with this country, Saudi Arabia? Okay, now, uh, I haven't talked about this before, but I want to talk about this whole idea of sanctions. So, sanctions are basically an act of economic warfare. All right, sanctions don't necessarily hurt the leadership in the country that the sanctions are put on. Okay, so sanctions always end up hurting the people in the country, you know, the civilians, the masses. This is actually the goal of the sanctioned, and our, our, politi our politicians are happy to admit that, that yes, they do want to hurt the people, and they want to hurt the people so badly that they rise up and overthrow their leadership. That's the concept. However, it never happens. It's never once in the, in, never once in the history of the United States has sanctions on another country, has it ever worked? Where the people rose up and overthrew their leadership and installed some, some sort of new, you know, U.S.-friendly leadership. It's never happened. So after trying so many times in the past and failing, you know, with this form of economic warfare, why do we keep doing it? I mean, I honestly don't know. I, I think it's really stupid. Maybe it's just a way for our politicians to say that they're doing something without bombing them. But something you have to understand is that the leadership in these countries that we put the sanctions on, it only bolsters their position. They go out to their people and they say, you're starving because the United States has put sanctions on you. They use the United States sanctions to gain support for themselves and animosity towards the United States. Now, this is the complete opposite of what the U.S. government wants to happen, like almost all government programs. Just think about the stupidity of this. You're a U.S. president, and you're trying to tell a foreign people, let's say, for example, the people of Iran, that we're punishing you until you rise up and overthrow your leadership. Do you actually think this is going to sit well with the people being punished? That we are doing it for their own good? I mean, it's obvious that they're going to hate you more by punishing them and that the leadership in their own country also has a much easier way of getting the message out than we do, right? It's not like the people of Iran are sitting around tuning into Fox News or MSNBC or CNN. I mean, these people are watching their own government program stations, right? And their own government stations are telling them the United States is punishing them. And so the policy of doing this is just completely ass-backwards. So sorry if that seemed like a whirlwind of topics to cover, but I really wanted to say something about the impeachment process and perhaps the political maneuvering on both sides that could be going on in the background. And I had wanted to say something about Iran and Yemen again for a while now and then sanctions, so I kind of tried to loop all that in there. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on and there's easily enough material to do a podcast every day, but obviously I can't do that because I work full-time and I'm kind of doing this on the side for fun and to keep you all informed of what's going on. But if you do want to help the show and help spread the, the messages that you know Joey and I are trying to put out there, you can do us a couple of favors. So number one, you can go on iTunes and give it a rating. And I would say if you're going to do a rating, make it five stars. If you want to give us a bad rating, then don't bother doing it. Okay, after that, other ways you can support the show is, you know, tell a friend. 
tell someone else that, you know, you either disagree with politically or agree with politically. Hey, there's this uh, new show that's uh, on iTunes or whatever other format, Stitcher or Google Play. I think we're on all those formats. And, you know, these guys have some interesting discussions. And you may not agree with them all, but at least maybe it gets you to think about things in a different way. So we would appreciate that. And we look forward to you guys coming back and listening to each and every show. Thank you very much. Thank you.